0: on this Feelman & Hooley We Tackle Life podcast.
1: And I don't think I, don't you do think I have S- the, all the answers anymore. Like all, you know, I don't want to say cocky, but confident guys and mm-hmm. that feel that feeling of invincibility. Don't you tell me. I know what I'm doing. You know, I think that uh, some of uh, my experiences in life and just... Um, Biblically speaking, being, you know, it's slow to speak,
0: quick to listen.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I thought I had you uh, all dialed in there on the headset. No? No. Well,
1: no, but why would I be surprised? It's a tradition. There's a
0: certain You know, there's CBS tradition with Jim Nance and there's Saboteur. 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 <laughs> saboteur. There's tradition with me and the engineering <laughs> aspect of this. So did I fix it? Or are you all right now? Yeah. And I mean, you're you know, your headset fine. one. I wouldn't dare make you headset it's, two because <laughs> it's... it's a bigger show <laughs> since you're here. <laughs> On a Monday, December 15th edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back uh, to you who are listeners. Welcome back to you from Cincinnati and the Red Rifles' triumphant return to Paul Brown, Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah. Not Paul Brown, Tiger no, Stadium. No, no, no. The... You got the top Tiger Stadium. Mention. I thought I made that perfectly you clear. Did. Very good. Ex- excellent. Uh, excellent. The Maslin people appreciate the homage, I'm sure. First of all.
1: Uh, I know some people get frustrated with the Bengals, but they did one of the coolest things that I've seen at an NFL game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught it on the broadcast. It was at the very beginning. The first
0: thing on my YouTube DVR, it's not really a DVR, first thing was at the announcement of Andy Dalton. Yeah. The Dow, Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys. I thought that was the – and it was really
1: nice. cool because he goes – he, he didn't know it was coming. Oh, nice. And you can see we had a shot of him over on the sidelines just smiling. And – I thought that was a uh, class act it was, by, by the, the Bengals. Bengals. And, big time. and how I knew it was so cool is because I saw the other Cowboys come up to Andy. And I mm-hmm. knew what a respected man he was mm-hmm. before the game when all those guys are out there. See, I never went out before a game because I didn't believe with fraternizing with the enemy before I'm going to go do battle with them. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Mm-hmm. Andy uh, was out there. And I, I, I got to tell you, his ex-teammates, every one of them come up to him. And, and this is not uncommon for one or two guys or three guys to come up, but I, I stopped counting how yeah. many guys came up to Andy yeah. Dalton. And it, it says something for him. And, you know, in a game that it means something, but there's really nothing on the line, uh, it was a, it was fun to see for me and to see his wife in the press box. And I thought he was giving the hook'em horns, and Kevin quickly said, I don't oh, know no. if a TCU quarterback would be giving hook'em horns, but uh, – it was the I love you sign. Is that
0: like sign language, I love you? Is that uh, what that yeah, was? Yeah, I mean, I see people do that. Yeah, I it think looked like uh, a cross between hook'em horns and hang loose. Yeah, in so Hawaii, if, they do the if, hang loose if thing. You, uh,
1: if you ever see your girls do
0: that to a guy in high school, you need to <laughs> intervene quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Split the double team and get yes. there, Bruce. Well, that was nice of the Bengals to welcome Andy Dalton back, and then even nicer of them to just hand him the game with three fumbles yeah. on their first three possessions. They turned what could have been and should have been... A seven to ten point win into a twenty three point loss. Yeah. It's hard to do. They did. Like man, yeah. they were better than the Cowboys for a long portion of that game until the Bengals just got thoroughly demoralized by the fact that they're so inept. Well, I mean, they you are. Know, there's no you know, oh. running.
1: Game. I thought Travion Williams should have been playing a little bit more, even though he did fumble. I thought Samaj P. He butt Ryan. fumbled. He butt fumbled. Yeah. He ran into the guy's butt and fumbled. I thought uh, Samaj P. Ryan had it going a little bit too, but you know, I mean. It is what it is, look. Hold the ball. You're an NFL no. back. Alex Erickson, hold the ball. Yeah, it, that's what they are. That's what they've been you Know what year. You hit
0: on it. You talk, said earlier in a telecast about the problem becomes when one guy tries to do another guy's job, and that's a variation of that is they're all like not either not paying attention to what their job is or they're trying for some – in Erickson's case, it was he was trying for more than was there. Yeah. His mission on that play is get the first down. Yeah. He wasn't going to score, get the first down, get down. Or protect the ball. Protect or the put ball. put two hands yeah, on the ball when contact's
1: coming. My whole thing with the Bengals is, and maybe it's because I'm played in a stadium named after the Bengals stadium after the probably the most influential man in mm-hmm. football history, which we documented, I believe, on this show before. Yes, indeed. Um. But for, for me, I don't think they're as far off. I mean, offensive line-wise, there's you know there's hopefully some things you can do free agency-wise. I think Trey Hopkins, the center, isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Jonah Williams isn't bad. The receivers are pretty good. I mean, T. Higgins dropped a couple passes, which he normally doesn't the go, one, it,
0: The early drop was huge. Yeah, but he,
1: he made uh, a few plays. And Brandon Allen is a – I think is a capable – He's a good backup. He's an excellent yeah, backup. Good backup. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I really – Believe that wholeheartedly, but uh, you know, like other teams, I mean, you hear every week. I hear injuries have killed us. Well, yeah, that's every year, every team, every season. That's the way it goes. But there, there's not a lot of depth there, and the NFL is changing, Bruce. As you know, Um, the development of your young players and getting them ready to go from day one of OTAs is a philosophy that I have. Because in because of the shrinking uh, anticipated salary cap next year, mm-hmm. you're going to pay this number, of guys, and everybody else is going to be minimum. Mm. That's just the way. There's no middle class. Yeah, no, that's right in, in the NFL anymore. And so for me, look, it, it looks bad, it feels bad, but if you kind of really look uh, hard at it, it's not as bad as it looks. It's bad, but it's not as bad as it looks. I
0: agree. I think they have to. They have a couple areas they have to shore up at positionally. They can do that in the draft at left tackle with Panay Sewell, and they probably will. Uh, but then some of the things are, they're a little tangible, but a little intangible. Like, you expect pros to do the fundamental things. Not that you ignore the fundamental things in practice, but you have to do the fundamental things. You have to hang on to the ball. Yeah. And then where you have guys who are, guys you feel really good about, not just good about, not just good enough to put on the field, but really good about, those guys have to win individually. And I felt like yesterday at a key juncture in the game, William Jackson didn't win individually. He Mm -hmm. let Amari Cooper get inside him on a third and 17. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, with Andy Dalton, it's not like Andy Dalton can drop it in an elevator shaft if you make Amari Cooper go outside. He let him have inside release. And I mean have it he yeah. let him have it and that was a huge conversion for the Cowboys at a time where the Bengals could got the ball back and gotten in a really good position because they were moving the ball so the couple they just they get let down across the board but you're right a lot of those things once one kind of falls into place they tend to all sort of order up, right? themselves yeah. yeah like with the Browns like the Browns started terrible 38-6 to the Ravens well, now they've won 9 of 11. And so somebody started to do what they needed him to do, Nick Chubb. And, well, the offensive line. Yeah, is, and the, the offensive defense line. Defense
1: is improving. And too. now,
0: like, it kind of pulls everybody else along. Yeah, well, yeah. And it
1: starts, I think, because it's, it's really clear that the Browns know who they mm-hmm. are.
0: And that's and a credit
1: to Kevin Stefanski. Absolutely. Well, it's that's a credit, a credit to, to, him. to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin's the Kevin's – He the, sets the tone. He's the message guy. Yeah. He's the one that sets the vision, right, that everybody has to buy in, and that's Kevin Stefanski, and that's why it's important to have your coach as a leader first, and then the X's and O's come, in my opinion. Uh, but they're all buying in, and Baker's buying in. And, you know, the biggest thing, too, is, is that Baker's singularly focused – I'm being the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns and not being you know the hype man for not, everything in the world and
0: not being Baker Mayfield that's well,
1: that's a great point and just great point and not punching you. down at everybody right yeah. he doesn't need to and I mean, he he understands his role he accepts his role he knows what he has to do to help his team win games and it's uh it's great and I I hope that the Cleveland fans are enjoying us Because, like I say, every single week, man, it is hard to win in the NFL. You, it's, it's not college, where
0: Ohio State, on a normal year, two games. They're not playing well. They're not playing like I thought they'd play this year. And they're undefeated, and they're going to be a college football playoff yeah. team. Now, they have time to play, like I expect them to play, and they could still win the national championship. But their most impressive win is Indiana. And they weren't really impressive, well start to finish yeah start Start to finish start to halftime they were very impressive back to the browns for a second i think that's such a great point you made about baker in that baker's gotten to the point this year where he's happy he's focused focused a better word he's focused on being the quarterback of the cleveland browns rather than being he's still got the progressive commercials which i but that's that's fine i find them all annoying by the way i actually like them but uh (laughs) He it's just I find it annoying because I want him to just be the quarterback of well, the Cleveland Browns. I mean,
1: that's the Yeah. I, but, but here's the thing you need to know. And now I'm sorry for no, cutting no, you off good. because here's the thing you need to know. When I went up there the very first time, uh I forget who it was against the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. And that was right before they beat the Bengals the second time and Joe came out slinging. And remember the the look on Baker Mayfield, they kind of pan to it on mm-hmm, the sidelines. Mm-hmm. There was no panic. There was no. There was okay. just a single determination to focus on what he has to do, and not worry about all the other stuff that goes with the being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I asked him about that. I shared this on our podcast. I want to see if you remember this point that I made in a production meeting the following week. And you know, Baker's got a little, you know, pee and vinegar in him, and <laughs> which a little. But I, but. It can be an asset. It doesn't have to be a venture. Deter- yeah. And I asked him, um, you know, Baker, this is what I noticed. What do you think? He said, it's funny that you say that because my brother, right after the game, called me and pointed out the exact same thing to me. So, you know, here I am, some nobody analyst up there noticing it and asking him a question and his, and then if I said, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Baker has a little respect for my opinion. You should. Then his brother validates what yeah. I said. Maybe that was like the yeah. one thing that kind of sends a message that validates to him this is how I have to be. Not saying I'm the reason, but it's just something that I noticed. And uh, he's the reason because he's the one that makes the, the decision to be like that.
0: Look, I think he is not and never will be Aaron Rodgers – or one of those quarterbacks who, by himself, can lift you. There's a few of those guys. Few of those guys, but that doesn't mean he can be in. He can't be in the next tier of guys who are pretty good, but also lifted by the people around him and the things that people around him do. So he's a he's the very best kind of approximation of Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's the guy who like could never do it unless everybody else around him did it. Baker's better than that. But he's not Aaron Rodgers. But I have a little theory here. Okay. Because I was just thinking of this as you were talking about Stefanski getting them focused on who they are, Baker buying into who he needs to be rather than maybe this number one overall pick superstar guy. The Browns have, in my opinion, three huge personalities. They have Baker Mayfield, they have Jarvis Landry, and they have Odell Beckham Jr. I believe it's easier for Kevin Stefanski to get them to focus on what they need to be And for Baker Mayfield to be who he needs to be when Odell Beckham is not around. Because they don't have to feed him. Since he got hurt, they can be who they need to be and they don't have to worry about, well, Odell only got three targets. Odell only had two catches. And I don't know Odell. I just know kind of of Odell. But they've gotten a lot better since he's not been there. I will say this.
1: I don't know how they would have reacted if he stayed healthy. Sure, you don't know. yeah. Because let me tell you something. When you win, that locker room is a strong force. And nothing, you know how locker rooms are. It can be superstitious. It can be Mm -hmm. don't screw this up. Mm -hmm. We're all focused. And if a guy steps outside of that force and starts yapping about something, that guy usually is reined in by numbers. Mm -hmm. No matter how strong you are, as an individual, those numbers rein you in, and so I—he's a great player. I, I've always—I've always had great—you know—that I've always had great, you know always had great yeah. respect for. Well, him. Oh, he can uh, be a great player. And, and my my point is, I don't want to sit there and say that they wouldn't be doing the same thing if he was healthy, because I Stand don't know. Cool. Yeah, that. no one can. You you can only you know theorize yep. what you're doing. So, okay. Um, Michigan North, what, North wait, Northwestern ran a ball for over 400 yards. That's a good test. Over 400? By. Was it over I thought 400? It was over 400. Okay,
0: well, Northwestern and they got Poor Lovey Smith fired. And Illinois <laughs> This kills me at firing season. Illinois AD came out with the most ridiculous statement. I have such tremendous respect for Lovey Smith. He did so much for our program. I wish he and his wife nothing but the best. Unstated I can't stand to watch this guy coach one more game. Get him out of here now. Turn it over to the offensive coordinator. What possible benefit is there to Illinois firing Lovey Smith like now as opposed to after he coaches his final game? Early
1: signing period? Whatever. I don't know.
0: Yeah, early signing period. crushed I mean, I guess you fire him for integrity reasons so you don't sign anybody don't this week. I just thought that was dumb. Oh, yeah. Gus Malzahn out at Auburn, which I think is Auburn. Everybody you knows the rules at Auburn. Auburn <laughs> is going to Auburn is so Auburn. They're going to approach Urban. Oh. They're going to approach Urban and they're going to think they can get Urban when Texas couldn't get Urban. That's the ultimate reflection of who Auburn is. Auburn is Michigan State. They're not Michigan. They're not Alabama, okay? They think they are, they're not. <laughs> They're a bunch of crazy people. They're not going to approach Urban. They're going to approach (laughs) Urban through back channels or something. Guaranteed. Okay, so uh, Kevin Sumlin is fired. I Mm -hmm. want Kevin Sumlin's agent. He had a $10 million buyout at Texas A&M, and in year three at Arizona, he has a $7.5 million buyout. They lost their last 12 games. They got beat by Herm Edwards, who everybody said would fail at Arizona State. Herm has beaten him three straight times, and he beat him Friday, seventy to seven. beat got some him real, bad. Herm's got some really good young players. Okay, but the big story in college football is Dabo Sweeney, the oh, yeah? one on the Rich Eisen show.
1: Okay, I did not hear this so saying,
0: saying this. I think anytime you step in between the lines, the game of football is a lot that can happen. A lot. He talks about losing to Syracuse in 2017 and then going on to win the championship. He says. The fact that we're going to have eleven games, as well as the SEC teams—Florida, Florida, Florida, Texas A&M, Alabama—those teams are going to have eleven games this year. It's incredible, mm-hmm. and I, I think, agree with that. He says, and I think the Big Ten had the same opportunity, and they chose not to play. And I think the only reason they ended up playing is because of the leadership of the SEC well, and the ACC yeah. and the Big Twelve and Nebraska and have demonstrated we can do it and do it in a safe way. So it's been unbelievably challenging, that's for sure, but I think the committee's going to have some tough, tough, tough questions to answer and things like that regardless of what we do. So he says that Clemson and Notre Dame ought to both be in no matter what happens on Saturday night. I tend to agree with that. I tend to think that both of them have proven they are top four teams. Um, look at look. So, I, lo- I
1: love the next uh, quote of his. Obviously, as coaches, we don't control yeah, any of that stuff, but, but I'm sure uh, trying.
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. trying all I can.
1: I mean, the, yeah. Uh, the message is look. Yeah, if you're a Ohio State fan, you I. And I were Ryan Day, and I the roles were reversed. I'd be saying the exact
0: same sure thing. Now Urban says. Ohio State basically passes the look test. He says the job of the College Football Playoff Committee get the four best teams. There's no doubt they're one of the four best teams. I don't know that there's no doubt. I think a lot of the reason why Ohio State is solidly in the College Football Playoff at six and zero is more because of who Ohio State was last year and who they bring back from that than what they've done this year. They haven't. The Big Ten did them a disservice, in my opinion, with the friendly schedule. Really didn't give them a chance to show how much better but they are than everybody. Who could they have played? Who could have played Wisconsin and Iowa? Wisconsin awful. The, well, Wisconsin, but at the time it was a better I was a good team. I was a really good team. In fact, uh Michigan is Michigan fans are hot.
1: At they, Herbie? No. Still?
0: No. No, they have somebody else to be hot at. <laughs> the the final conference game. Of the year. It's, well, not, Iowa, it's not a conference right? game. It was supposed to be the champions weekend. It was supposed to be second place against second place, yeah. third against third. They've they they've massaged that some because Indiana and Purdue didn't get to play last week, so they're going to have them play this week. Okay. I so love it. So they've moved some things around. I think they would have moved Ohio State and Michigan to play this week, except Ohio State's in the championship game. So somehow, Iowa, which is what? Iowa won five in a row or six in a row. row. Five or six in a row, yeah. Ends up playing Michigan, two and four Michigan, in Iowa City (laughs) on Saturday night, prime time. And I, I would be much more comfortable saying Iowa will win that game by four touchdowns than that Michigan would win that game. Yeah, and Michigan I, fans are mad. They don't want to play. They were like, "What are they doing? Sticking us with Iowa? When has Michigan ever been afraid of Iowa? Except now." Yeah, I mean, you have a great point. I,
1: I, I understand, but you know, I think the better your record, the more convenient your opponent is in this made-up yeah. world. Michigan has a
0: tougher opponent Saturday than Ohio State has. Yeah. And I know Northwestern beat Iowa. I get it. I know. Northwestern's a good test. It's not it,
1: – I don't know if it's the ideal test to get you ready for the college football playoff, but it's a good test. And, and the one thing that – not playing every week. I mean, it, once you knock rust off, rust comes back, no matter what you try to simulate in mm. practice. Okay. That's the big concern I'm having for Ohio State, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And – it's just that there's no opponent in the Big Ten that is able to come anywhere close simulating what they're going to see. You
0: no, know, athletically, no. And Nobody. I would, you know,
1: I think in the SEC or the ACC, athletically, there are players that, <laughs> and they're used to playing.
0: Yeah, when you play Miami or North Carolina, you're going right. to, and even BC, you're yeah. going to play some guys who are going to play in the NFL. And yeah. there are guys in the Big Ten that'll play in the NFL. It's just not so many skill guys. It's just, uh,. I, it's like a feeling I had almost pre urban
1: where yeah, every, everybody point. but Ohio State looks really slow. Mm-hmm.
0: I just. I, I remember you and I talking. Um, <laughs> you'd watch an SEC game and then you'd watch a Big Ten game not involving Ohio State and you'd go. Man, that's like they play with different rules over there. Like they play at a different. It looks like the games on seventy eight in yeah. well, the old record yeah. player days, like seventy eight RPM, in the SEC. Over here, we're on thirty three and a third. You know, yeah. we're
1: handing it off, and yeah. I just so. watched Michigan State and Penn State. Now, Penn State has a couple. They got some dudes. They got some young guys. dudes. Yeah, yeah, that one little kick returner or yeah. whatever. Uh, I forget his name. But. By the way, have you seen the kid from Buffalo? Yeah, the running back. Yeah, so I think of him?
0: him. Love him. He's got a little Clyde Edwards layer in him. He's got a little Darren Sproles. I in love him. those guys. Yeah. Well, they're
1: they're thicker than Darren. Spurls. Yeah, I know. But this this dude from Buffalo, he's interesting. You know what? You know, uh, I've done a segment on this on during my broadcast um, that smaller running backs are harder to play against b- bigger running backs because when you get behind. Six five six yeah. six. You can't see him, can't see him. And, and so, you just have to, duck. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I, li- I like the kid, I
0: like the kid a lot. Um, okay, so we've got uh, Buckeye Hoops yesterday were very average, they play Purdue on Wednesday night. Uh, we got uh, Browns Ravens tonight. Browns can- got a shot at the Steelers now. Steelers have lost two, yeah. and the Browns play them head to head. Uh, final game of the season. So, hey, maybe the Browns could win the division. Buffalo looks good, your old squad. Looks good. Josh yeah. Allen's really good. Happened I was I dead wrong on Josh Allen. So yep, I, so was I. I'm guilty. So was I. I was wrong on him. What happened to the Steelers' offense? Is Ben healthy? They just dink, 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 dink. Yeah, they had well, a great stat last night. Did you see it? What In his last five games, he's thrown more passes than he's ever thrown in a five-game stretch. The yardage over that stretch is the 58th. Yeah. most yardage over a five-game stretch a in his career. a little bit of career.
1: protecting Ben, and they don't have a running game. So he what happened can't be, to James Conner? I think he's hurt.
0: Okay, we well, had COVID, so.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Who hasn't? Yeah, everybody's <laughs> yeah. has it. Everybody's yeah. getting it, that's for
0: sure. All right, let's uh, transition faith portion of the podcast. Um, I I heard a sermon. I didn't share it with you. I should. You got, You ever have, like, quiet time where you have, like, 40, 40, had 40 had minutes I had a day at 3.40
1: a.m. And, and a, lot, a little bit of my quiet time is, uh, I actually worked out at 3.40 a.m. today. Wow. And I didn't turn any music on or uh, I just kind of did my thing. But I'm like praying and, and uh, thinking and just, you know, just... I'm better. Like when I sit, my mind wanders. Mm, yeah. When I work out, yeah, my mind's focused. Okay. Is that yeah, just, no, works for, just, just, just works for that just works for me. I, one I, of I,
0: the things that there's no right to way you. or wrong way. This yeah. is just what works for me. Well, I heard a message, and anyone who was listening to the podcast that would like to hear this message, it was a message uh, given, I think, on December the sixth by John MacArthur. John's been in the news a lot in California, Grace Community Church, where he has continued to hold church services and. Uh, conflict with California state orders and his message on December the 6th what I love about him John MacArthur's in his 80s and his messages are so topical to current events this was called how to live in a crooked and perverse generation he used the scripture from Philippians where Paul talks about yeah. it being a crooked and perverse That's, generation uh,
1: he he, uh, he took that from Paul
0: yep. and and John MacArthur applies the the scripture in Philippians about who Jesus was and how Jesus lived in a crooked and perverse generation and all times of uh, humanity uh, have uh, leaned toward disobedience from God is crooked and a perverse generation in the midst of that sermon and if you'd like to hear it email podcast at gmail.com I'll be happy to send you the link he talked about Jesus's response to Pilate when he was on trial and Pilate said kind of snarkily to Jesus so so you're a king huh mm-hmm. and Jesus responded it is as you say I am a king but he says my kingdom, is not of this world. And I understand what Jesus meant by that, meaning, you know, look, you're an earthly king, and that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to build a uh, an eternal kingdom. But John MacArthur made a point, and he makes it so much more eloquently and forcefully than I can here, but I, hopefully I can convey the spirit of it. He said, Christ's kingdom is not contingent upon anything that happens on earth. It is not the timing of it the duration of it, the strength of it, the certainty of it. He went on and on and on because he's very gifted with language. And it just made a powerful point to me about living in this time where things are happening, cultural mores are shifting, uh, this way we used to live, way we should live, things that are tolerated, things that are not, cancel culture, this, that, the other. We we live in a fast-moving time with information available and all our lives are dramatically different. Chris and I are, you know, lived half a century dramatically different than our childhood. It's a it's the most challenging time in history to be a parent, and every year it becomes more challenging for future parents. But for John MacArthur to say that about Christ's kingdom was was gave me peace in that Say it again. Say what he said. Jesus' kingdom does not nothing, nothing about his kingdom. Is contingent upon anything hmm. on this earth. No earthly event, no news event, no world That's, power. Yeah, no, it is peaceful. the The duration of his kingdom, the certainty of his kingdom coming, the uh, the way his kingdom will play out. Not one thing: nuclear power, hydrogen bomb, nothing, nothing on this earth, of this earth, created by this earth, or fashioned by man, or anything has one scintilla of impact on every characteristic of Christ's kingdom. It was extremely powerful to me to hear it. Well, that being said, um, I believe
1: our lives have tremendous purpose. Sometimes we don't know what that purpose is, and it can be an array of different things and different challenges and different opportunities, whatever. And there's a saying, you know, crowns for Jesus. And so that's what you're kind of living for that time. And by living for that time, your choices are usually better if you keep that in the forefront. Mm -hmm. The decisions you make, your impact, and everything that you do. Everything that we do is important. It's not just the one thing. And I know you're not even coming close or John didn't come close to saying this is that, you know, laziness or just, oh, I'm just waiting for Jesus. I'm not going to have an impact, Hmm. you know. There is in James, you know, a faith without deeds is a faith that's dead. Yes, indeed. And so uh, sometimes, you know, I received this verse on Thursday. And, you know, I've shared many stories Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on how there's sometimes a verse that's presented to you pop up way. And this popped up on my phone just at an interesting time. It's from Esther, 414. And what my uh, version is, perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. And it made me think, you know, and you think about, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, it's right there in front of you. It's whatever opportunities you have, not only to do a podcast better, not only to announce a football game the best way you can, but God is preparing you and using you with whatever craft or job or opportunity or responsibility that you have. And I think we lose sight that God does prepare, prepare us for the certain challenges certain blessings, certain opportunities, um, a certain way to live, and to get prepared for certain challenges, opportunities, responsibilities, you have to suffer some losses. You also have to experience some wins. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that, I mean, for whatever reason, because sometimes, you know, what do I, how many times in your life? I know in my life we have we've been very open about this. What what are you doing here, man? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? We're not we're not in sync. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. So
1: I just wanted to, to share that verse, and I just thought uh, in a time in my life, I kind of needed affirmation about certain things mm-hmm. in my life.
0: Awesome. So that's our podcast for today. We appreciate you guys joining us. We uh, buzzed right through it, and we did not get to any of our sponsors, but you guys know who they are, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, 15% off when you use the promo code life. Our attorney firm, Willis Spangler Starling, located in Hilliard, and the great people at AUI Info. If you're listening to this today, open enrollment ends tomorrow. So, yes, they can still help you. They have a chat feature on their website, AUIinfo.com. Thank you to the uh, Bowden family their positive message on facebook it says great show both of you're doing what god has planned for you but seek first his kingdom and righteousness and god will meet all your needs so um uh, that'll do it for monday edition of the spielman and hoolie we tackle life podcast hope you all have a great day we'll talk to you again very very soon